We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place exclusive interviews with players coaches and team executives streaming live and always available on demand stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the odyssey app did you hear the one about the furniture store salesman who bet four million dollars on the super bowl No, really. It it happened a few days ago. A man known as Mattress Mac, a Texas furniture store salesman, drove into Louisiana so he could place a series of bets, four and a half million dollars worth, on this year's Super Bowl. You now have the great distinction of placing the biggest mobile sports bet in history. Well, if you'd have seen me down there placing it and... uh... Pecking on the phone for two hours, you see it wasn't too glamorous, but I got it done. Uh, I, most of the time, it would only take 500000 so I had to make lots of bets, but I got it done. I was in a convenience store in Louisiana. I think the people in there thought I was rather strange. That's Jimmy McAvale, a.k.a. Mattress Mac, on CNBC, talking about the Super Bowl bets he made a few days ago on the first day of online sports betting in Louisiana. No wonder why they call it the big game. And this year, that big game and the betting around it will be record-breaking. A gambling industry trade group estimates 31.5 million Americans will place more than $7.6 billion in bets on pro football's championship game. The number of people planning to bet is up by more than a third from last year. The Super Bowl is big business, and so is betting on it. Sports betting is all the rage across America. Today, 30 states plus the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico allow some sort of legal gambling, either in person or online. The game changer this year is the arrival of online sports betting in New York. The state of New York, in the first three weeks of legalized mobile wagering, with only a handful of operators allowed to even operate in the state, brought in net revenue of $112 million. Big business, big payoffs, but at what cost? What gave us the opportunity to get that money? Well, it's gambling. So why don't we set aside a decent chunk of that so that when the average person is willing to say, help, my hands are up, I need help, I've got a problem, that we have all the resources in the world for those people to get help without them worrying about, how am I going to pay for it? In this episode of Connect the Dots, the awkward dance between sports and sports betting. You know, gambling's part, been part of the American experience since the dawn of our country. I'm Mac Rosenberg in New York. This is Connect the Dots from Odyssey, a weekly podcast where we draw together multiple perspectives to unpack a single compelling story. 
According to the American Gaming Association, 31.4 million Americans plan to bet on this year's Super Bowl. That's a 35% increase over last year. Those bettors are expected to wager an estimated $7.61 billion. That's up 78% from last year. And much of that is likely from the explosion of mobile sports betting across America. Dr. Timothy Fong is co-director of the UCLA Gambling Studies Program, something started back in 2005 to look into the health and social impact of gambling. Even back then, I never would have predicted that we would have seen this rapid expansion of sports gambling combined with internet gambling to the point where you turn on ESPN and a big percentage of their content is dedicated to the behavior of gambling. Dr. Fong is also a medical psychiatrist who helps people with gambling addictions. We asked him about gambling's relationship with sports and society. The last 20 years, gambling has become acceptable, expected, and it's been tied into all other parts of popular culture. You think about great pairings in life, surf and turf, um, milk and cookies, gambling and sports. And I think that intertwinement, the fact that the two are in not only hand in hand, but really feeding off each other, that's really where we're facing now in the 21st century. Combine that with technology that we've never seen before that brings the casino into the home, into our smartphones, into our abilities with high-speed internet to get online and to do forms of gambling on sports that we've never, ever had before. And with this new prominence of gambling in America and easy access to mobile online betting, is that a cause of concern to Dr. Fong? Yeah, I get this question a lot. When we expand gambling, either brick-and-mortar casinos or internet gambling, what what does that do to society? Will we get an explosion of gambling disorder men and women? It's kind of like the opioid crisis of the 2000s. In other words, in the next five or 10 years, are we going to be talking about a gambling crisis in America? What we know right now is that about approximately one to 2% of the general population will meet criteria for gambling addiction right now today. What we also know in just general addictive disorders is when you have more opportunities, more availability, more affordability, more access, there's going to be more problems, particularly in communities that are very, very vulnerable to that addiction. You can reduce that harm by having prevention, treatment, open discussion, and education for people who begin to start gambling. Where I think what we have seen then, we've seen more people gamble uh, intensely. We've seen more people take up gambling. We've seen more gambling problems. But we also haven't had the increased demand that you would expect. Here in California, we have a statewide gambling treatment program. But with all this talk of gambling and expansion of gambling, we have not seen huge increases in demand for treatment. In New Jersey and in New York and other states, there's been a mixed story. Some states have had more demand for treatment. Other states have had less. When it comes right down to it, I think there's no doubt that when you expand gambling, you will have by sheer numbers, more humans develop gambling disorder, but you also have more attention paid to it. So by having prevention and early education, you may actually be able to keep those problems to a minimum. Gambling on sports like the Super Bowl seems natural, even fun. We all do it. But what has really surprised people in the industry, like UCLA's Dr. Fong, is how sports leagues have embraced the concept. It's an amazing transformation. I don't think amazing is a strong enough word. I go back to when I was a kid growing up in the 70s, 
the I, very idea that any professional sports organization would align themselves with legalized gambling was completely farcical. Then you get into the 80s and the 90s, and you see a little bit of the softening. But I would say we've had a rapid expansion in the last three to five years across all the leagues, across so many platforms, to the point where even in college stadiums now, college stadiums where it is not legal to gamble if you're under the age of 21, you see casinos and sports betting apps advertising inside college stadiums and various other public areas. Again, it goes back to why are we uncomfortable with gambling in sports? It goes back to from decades, it was about fidelity. It was about making sure that the sports that were being played were fair, were honest, and they were not interrupted. Why did the United States government have to interfere with steroids in baseball? I mean, was that really a, a, an issue of national importance? And they had to be, but they did, right? Um, and we've all known the stories from the 70s and the 80s about various athletes who gambled on the sports and they created, you know, crises and things like that. But this is the first time where we've had the leadership of professional organizations endorse, accept, and really put a lot of energy into the investment between this partnership between regulated gambling and sports. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Carton and Roberts. Evan Roberts, Craig Carton, all the way to 6.30. You can't talk about sports betting without talking about sports talk. Got a great show for you today. Lots cooking as the Giants have a defensive coordinator. The Jets got... The model for sports talk shows across America today, that's WFAN, right here in New York, owned by our parent company, Odyssey. The fan, as it's called, is the original sports radio station in America. The pioneer and one of the most high-profile of hosts is none other than Craig Carton. Gambling for me became, for lack of a better word, like my mistress. If anyone can speak to the dark side of gambling and gambling addictions, it's Craig Carton. He sat down with Connect the Dots to tell his story. You know, gambling's all I cared about. Gambling's all I focus on. You know, I at the time did a, a very popular morning radio show where I'm in the building at 4 o'clock in the morning and I'm on the air at 6 a.m. And there were nights when I was in the Poconos or in Atlantic City or in Connecticut at 2 o'clock in the morning playing blackjack. And the one story I will tell, because I've told it before, I wagered once in the Poconos from 3.57 to like 4.06 in the morning. I wagered for nine minutes. I won $300,000 in nine minutes, got back in my car and drove back to New York City so I could do my job. So for me, if they talk about what's the stereotypical, that guy's got a problem, you know, look at my ugly face, I'm that guy. Because I had all the trappings of success, beautiful, healthy family, and it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough when compared to my need to gamble. Craig Carton's fall was very public. He was arrested on fraud charges and served time in prison in the case. In the face of it all, Craig recognized his addiction to gambling was a big part of the problem. And he went to rehab, left the high-stakes gambling behind, and today is back on the radio at The Fan. Craig Carton will not read any gambling commercials on the air as part of his new deal on the radio, but he does actually host a special gambling show each week. 
It's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton with you, as always, for the next 30 minutes. A open, frank, honest conversation about gambling addiction. And the real- Craig Carton told Connect the Dots. My new goal in life outside of you know, a lot of other things is to try to humanize the addiction. Like, people look at me and listen, I, I take the slings and arrows. My mistakes were self-inflicted. I paid a dear price for it, lost my freedom over it, and a lot of other things. But uh, I don't think people really grasp how every day it is. And I don't think there's a, a, I don't think we've humanized it yet. And I say this a lot in that if you take the big three of addictions, which is gambling, alcohol, and drugs, all right. Now, and alcohol, gambling now is, ask anyone, it's now official, it's in the book, whatever that book is. It is a registered, known, accepted addiction, no different than alcohol and drugs. What's interesting to me is that if you have a drinking problem, you're an alcoholic. If you have a drug problem, you're a drug addict. If you have a gambling problem, you're a degenerate. It's the only addiction that comes with that adjective. Uh, and that's why so many people have such great shame and find it so hard to come forward and tell someone because the initial thought for most of us is he's a degenerate gambler. Well, who wants to own that? Who wants to have that tough conversation when that's going to be hurled your way? And I'm not making excuses for why it's hard for people, but that's part of it. So the, one of the things I think we do really well on the Hello, My Name is Craig, the Saturday show, is bring other people on. You know, I've told my story a million times, and I might be the beacon for it, but when you start hearing school teachers and bus drivers and stockbrokers and your kid's Little League coach and you know the deli guy, all walks of life, and we're all essentially telling the same story, but we're humanizing it. And I think, if anything else, other than the texts and emails I get from people who hear the show and the show had a real impact on their lives, and in some cases... Have, has saved lives, I think the best thing we do is humanize it. And now that mobile sports betting has opened up gambling to millions and millions of more consumers, what does Craig Carton think about it? Most people think I'm against it. I'm actually in favor of it because the more mainstream gambling becomes, the easier it is to talk about it. And for a long time, guys like me who had a problem you didn't know where to go, didn't know how to talk to anyone about it. And there's a, there was a seedy kind of aspect of, of gambling. Even if you were doing it legally going down to an Atlantic City or Connecticut casino, and I did well beyond that, but the fact that the conversation about gambling is now more mainstream, I think big picture, it's going to be really positive in that future people that do have a problem will be more apt to talk about it because everyone's talking about gambling. It's not a you know, back road, down a dirty alleyway kind of conversation or Shh, don't have that conversation at work. So I think big picture, while we will have more compulsive gamblers, which is a problem, I think it's going to be a lot easier for those people to go get help. You know, they, they say 2% of the population has um, a gambling disorder or something like that. That means for 98% of the people, it's entertainment. Yeah, so it's weird. So the numbers, you, you, people go back and forth on it. 
the, about 10% of the people that gamble are going to have some level of a problem. The 2% number you're referencing are people that have what they consider a serious gambling problem. Uh, so listen, it's, yeah, in the big picture, is it a lot of people today? No, but you have 30 plus states that are already uh, legalized gambling, which means that millions of people are going to try it for the first time. So just do the math. If ultimately you have, and I'm making numbers up here, if 100 million people start gambling, you're going to have 2 million people that have a serious problem. That's essentially an epidemic. And it's an epidemic that nobody is ready for. States aren't ready for it. The people themselves aren't ready for it. The workplace isn't ready for it. And we have an opportunity right now to be really forward thinking in educating people who have never gambled before on how to gamble. Doesn't mean you're gonna win, but I think if you know the more information you have, the better prepared you are to do it. Craig has become a partner with the company FanDuel to advise them on how to teach responsible gambling. We wanted to hear from FanDuel on how big a deal the Super Bowl is for them. Steve Scott from Odyssey News Station WCBS 880 in New York got on the phone with Chris Jones, the Vice President of Communications for FanDuel. Now, how big is the Super Bowl going to be for online wagering? So this year will be the biggest for us ever. We'll be online in 14 states, uh, including New York, Connecticut, and, of course, New Jersey. Uh, We expect to take approximately 7 million bets on the game. Um, We have more than 550 different uh, what we refer to as prop bets, so ways to bet, things like the coin toss or first touchdown. Um, And those bets could be 50% of the 7 million. So it's going to be... An enormous day for us. It's a, it's it's our personal Super Bowl uh, for FanDuel, and and not surprisingly, the biggest day of the year for us each year. Yeah, I want to talk about prop bets. Forget just the winner and the point spread. You can bet on just about anything, including the coin toss. What are some other unusual things, prop bets that? people can place a wager on for the Super Bowl. Sure. So prop bets, like I mentioned, could be Cooper Cup scores the first touchdown or former New York Giant Odell Beckham Jr. uh, scores two touchdowns in the game. But I think some of the more interesting prop bets are are the unique ones like the coin toss or the color of the Gatorade that the coach will get splashed with after the game or Sports fans and football fans, particularly in New York, are very, very astute. And one of the things we're seeing, one of the interesting prop bets we're seeing at the moment is the dramatic ending. So you can bet on one of the kickers winning the game. And the Cincinnati Bengals kicker, Evan McPherson, is where the, where the, the betting action is that he will end the game with a dramatic kick. Hey, Chris, a lot of people might try mobile wagering for the first time around the Super Bowl. Any advice for rookie bettors? Uh, absolutely. First and foremost, uh, bet within a legalized and regulated uh, operator like FanDuel or some of our competitors. It just offers consumers the most amount of safety. And then the second thing to do right at the outset is some, set some limits. So responsible gambling is something that uh, FanDuel leads on and takes very you know, very seriously with its customers. And the way you can do that is very simple in our app is when you sign up and you go through the verification process, the very next thing you, you should do before you place your first bet is to set either a time limit, a wager limit, or a deposit limit. And any and all of those three uh, tools will allow you to stay within your budget, which allows this to stay as a form of entertainment, much in the same way you're going to go get chicken wings and, and some beer for the game. You want to have a, a fun bet on the game to heighten the excitement, but we want to do that in a responsible way. 
Sportsbook operators like FanDuel have pledged to support efforts in states like New York to treat gambling addicts and to find ways to limit any negative impact of sports betting on those who might have problems. Tell us how that works. Sure. So as mentioned, the the, the limits that, that we place in our platform that allow customers to set limits, excuse me, that they uh, can do remotely from their phone is the first key step. But the second step is education. And we that takes takes shape in a variety of different ways. We are uh, an active partner in the American Gaming Association's Have a Game Plan campaign, which encourages customers to to know their limits and set a budget and keep this as a form of entertainment. We work, our national uh, responsible gaming ambassador, Craig Carton of WFAN in New York, is a leading advocate for responsible gaming, and we work very closely with him to shape our policies and our education because we know, particularly young males, 21 and older, are just a little bit susceptible to this early in their life, and we want to make sure that we're doing everything in our power to educate them to the importance of keeping this as an entertainment uh, aspect and not anything else. While most of the focus in sports betting is usually the relationship between the game and the person placing the bets, the lack of regulation in the space is slowly beginning to blur the relationship between sports leagues and gambling operators. I think we've crossed into a land where we don't want to go. That's Mark Edelman. In addition to being a tenured professor of law at the Zicklin School of Business at Baruch, he's also a practicing attorney and sports business expert. As fascinated as he is by the evolution of the sports betting craze, he's also a bit concerned. Now this complete 180 that the sports leagues have pulled from once opposing it to never even moving to this lukewarm area but now needing to be involved. Uh, and what stands out to me the most is I've been on the MajorLeagueBaseball.com website several times over the past few days. And on the landing page, there are two big ads on the front page, uh, both of them from DraftKings, which is one of our largest sports books in America. Uh, so from my perspective, one of the areas of concern for me is while I'm perfectly comfortable with the sports league saying we are no longer going to oppose sports gambling, or we're comfortable with regulated sports gambling, or even perhaps having a mild advertisement here or there for sports gambling. Uh, when your number one partner on a website that people land on, including those who are under the age of 21, uh, is for the sports gambling operator. And that relationship between the league and one particular gambling operator has almost become one the same. He says the exact practice, however unintentional, can be prevented with more regulation in the space. As important as it is for companies to be held accountable for how they provide their services, he says that the consumer's welfare should be the biggest priority. If we are going to regulate this space, we really need to think deeply about what type of regulations will provide for consumer welfare and consumer well-being. If we are not going to do that, perhaps we should just legalize and not regulate at all. At least if we simply made free markets for sports gambling and deregulated it, we would be honest in what is happening here. So if we're really going to do legalize and regulate as opposed to just legalize, the regulate side has to have real meaning to it other than just limiting the number of competitors that could offer gambling. His biggest concern, however, is that sports will eventually become synonymous with betting and that real fans might be forgotten in favor of a new, more profitable pastime. While I do tend to believe that individuals should have the right to bet on sports, 
And I am very comfortable with states choosing to legalize and regulate sports betting, uh, both from an ethical perspective, uh, but even more so from a business perspective. I have concerns that the league owner is running for the immediate pot of money that derives from sports gambling is leading them to overlook the core benefit of their business and the relationship and historical human relations in sport that have made these games so popular and part of our national pastime. And irrespective of whether our net this transition from the sports leagues makes the teams more money or less money, uh, from a societal perspective, I think this change in influence is a very real shame. We end where we began with UCLA's Dr. Tim Fong. He's one of the country's leading researchers on gambling and the social impact of it. What does he want to know about the exponential growth of mobile online betting? You know, the first question is, as we create new types of gambling games and new types of betting platforms and new types of betting experiences, we really have to understand what types of gambling and betting are potentially more problematic than others. So it's kind of like, take cannabis, you know, when we have high concentrated THC products, 60, 70% potent or concentrated THC, we know those are more addictive. We know those are more problematic. We don't know this yet for gambling. Like for instance, is in-game betting somehow more quote, inherently dangerous or more addictive than say, uh, just betting on over under. So really understanding those differences, I think are important. But what we do know as a general rule of thumb, when you can gamble more and you can gamble without um, any sort of restrictions, of course, that's going to raise their, your level of risk. So what I've seen some gambling operators try over the years have been things like putting a daily cap on how much you can spend, um, shutting down your app after X amount of time, um, making you review some sort of gambling education platform beforehand. To be honest, all of these things sound great, but we really don't know how well they really are at restricting gambling or keeping people protected. In traditional brick and mortar casinos, they do things like self-exclusion, right? Where if you have a problem, you ban yourself from the casino and you're no longer able to play there. It's the same thing in the online space, but again, unregulated you know, operators, they're not going to put these sort of protections in place. So it's a little bit of a, a brand new area where we have to really understand more. It's the same thing. Like what safeguards do we put for drinking? We regulate how much alcohol you can put by weight uh, into an actual bottle. We regulate what's in there in terms of make sure there's no pesticides. But for bars, tenders and things like that, we put them on the hook that if people die because of you serving them too much, you're going to get sued. It's going to be the same thing, I think, for gambling operators is that people start developing problems and those operators will be held liable. So I think in an ideal world, what we would have, we would have a robust network where gambling operators and legislators and healthcare providers are really working hand in hand to identify men and women who are uh, really at risk. You know, I'll give you an example from my own patients. You know, I have a whole number of patients who really struggle with online sports betting, but the operator never reaches out and says, I'm concerned about the volume of play, the frequency of play. Uh, I'm concerned about you as a customer. I don't know whether this is helping you or hurting you. But again, is that their responsibility? Is it the barkeep's responsibility to make sure people don't become so intoxicated? We don't know. 
So again, at the end of the day, there are many, many un un unanswered questions about these areas and safeguards, but the very fact we're discussing it is, is critical because for years in gambling studies, no one ever really bothered to discuss these issues about how do we ensure safe, responsible gambling. Even the term responsible gambling that you hear all the time is a lot like responsible drinking. What does it mean? How much is too much? How precise is this? You know, and research has shown that terms like responsible drinking, they just promote use. They don't promote necessarily a reduction or stoppage of that. I don't know if that's true for gambling yet, but we certainly need to do more work on that. And the last thing I'll say again, for anyone concerned about their gambling or um, a family member's gambling, the first step to look for help is usually a gambling helpline. 1-800-GAMBLER is a uh, number we use here in California for any support. Nationally, it's 1-800-522-4700. And these are available 24 hours a day for people uh, to call and get immediate help uh, or immediate feedback on what to do about their gambling behaviors. This episode of Connect the Dots was written by Dempsey Pilat and Tim Scheld, editing, mixing, and mastering by KCBS Radio's Mallory Samara, who is also the executive producer of Connect the Dots. Subscribe to Connect the Dots and listen to past episodes by heading to the Odyssey app and on Apple or Google Podcasts. From WCBS 880 in New York, I'm Mac Rosenberg. Thanks for listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.